just feel free running down a mountain. You can't get that running on a, you know, running on a track around a city. It's just not the same. I say we've both taken an approach where we're willing to learn and know that we've still got a lot to learn, but we can still help people at the same time and coach people. And that's what we wanted to do. Because I think a lot of people need a coach, but a lot of them probably kind of unknowingly or subconsciously, if you like, need a coach as as a friend almost. Hi. In this episode, I chat with a good friend of mine, Sean. I've known Sean a few years now. We met when I started racing over in Wales at events such as the Slateman Triathlon in Snowdonia. It's a cracking event if anyone's interested, so go check it out. Uh, we've had a few close races over the years and now good friends, having raced and trained together most years since. Sean and I chat about how he started out in triathlon, the impact of illness on training and how he's dealt with that, and also how you go about setting up a company in the midst of a pandemic. Like all good chats, this one chops about a little, but I hope it doesn't ruin the flow too much. Before we start, I also just want to apologise for the quality of recording at times. I think it's a mix of dodgy Welsh Wi-Fi and my temperamental mic meant that this wasn't brilliant. Although, all the part of fun with the virtual communication these days. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this one. Yeah, so whenever, just go for it. Hi guys, so I'm Sean, I'm... 22 um i'm an age group triathlete relatively competitive um and co-founder of tritanium performance co-training how long have you been doing triathlon and how did you get into it i've been doing it for five i think it's my fifth year now doing the sport um i got into it i was a rower um originally so i used to row at a, a competitive level um across wales and the uk um and every we kind of how our year was structured was we start in usually start the season in March kind of end in sort of September with like a big race then everybody kind of have downtime um it was sea rowing coastal rowing so in the winter you didn't really get to get out much um so I wanted something to do over the winter and before the next season kicked off um and I signed up for local events like my triathlon um signed up for the sprint to that just for a bit of fun because I'd seen um, anybody who follows kind of James Cracknell, I was a big advocate for him and he was an Olympic rower, turned to triathlon and that. And he kind of said oh, it was the hardest thing he'd ever done was a uh, triathlon. Uh, I was a bit uh, sceptical about that at the time. I thought, nah, nothing's harder than rowing. Did it. And I remember uh, my first race coming down the Canberra's Pass. Uh, I screamed at one of the marshals like, this is awesome. I'm, I'm never going back to rowing again. And I never did. <laughs> Sounds like you made a decent decision then. <laughs> it's going well so far. Yeah. Would you say that your reasons for training and racing has changed since you started in triathlon? No, probably not. Um, for me, it's all about kind of, I'm a bit of a sadist, so I love to see how much I can push myself and really push my body to the limits and see, you know, how much I can kind of endure the suffering. And to me, that's still kind of a big motivator for me. It's never really about kind of beating other people or anything. It's really just a case of getting the most out of myself. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think, yeah. yeah, and I think sort of the courses as well that I know that me and you both race, they sort of lend themselves to that rather than necessarily like flat, fast, competitive. Yeah, it's more... Exactly. I think it's more kind of, uh, you can do sort of the all out flat and fast racing and that, but it's with that, it's kind of more dialing in a pace, obviously pretty fast pace, but you kind of, 
on the rivet and you kind of stay there and that, whereas it's not mentally probably as tough as say, you know, going in a, you know, eight degree lake and then climbing up mountain passes and fell runs and all that. So yeah, it's definitely more my kind of niche, definitely. So what is it other than putting yourself through pain that you enjoy about those kind of races and those kind of conditions? Um, I think you get a lot more out of it in terms of the experience um, kind of growing up in on Anglesey um, I'm all about kind of coastal running making the most of your environment and that um, so there's nothing better to me than climbing up a mountain pass kind of being able to descend you know as fast as you can and the same running being able to climb a mountain and then just feel free running down the mountain you can't get that running on a you know running on a track around a city it's just not the same. So would you say that triathlon is sort of a vehicle to allow you to experience mountains and the outside yeah definitely um it's probably a bit of a an escape for me as well I'm quite I tend to like my own kind of space and that and when I don't get that I, it tends to I tend to get quite overwhelmed and stressed as a person so for me it's a big escape as well just being able to get out there and just go you know just have them having the mountains on my doorstep and just putting my shoes on going out for a run and being on the fells in 10 minutes or same on the bike like that's kind of my escape at the same time. So I really kind of, I really appreciate that side of things. Have you dealt moving more into a city the last couple of years? Have you noticed a difference? <laughs> not really. It's not too bad. If anything, it's probably better because it's very small here compared to, you know, it's not like I'm in sort of Manchester or Liverpool or anywhere like that. It is a case of it. If anything, I'm closer to the mountains now than what I was. Um, it's literally from my door it's seven miles up to Snowdon so it's perfect for me like I can just get up on a Sunday morning you know and I know there's club rides going in one direction or if I want to go running all the foul runners are on the other in the other direction you can just go wherever you want to go it's brilliant it, like it. <laughs> it really is, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> through the sort of five six years that you've been doing triathlon you've I think you've had your fair share of injuries and illnesses throughout that yeah so um I don't know where to start really. I'm a bit of a, uh, a bit of a complex one, if you like, when it comes to my health. Um, so when I was in secondary school, I think I was about first year or second year, so 11, 12 years old, um, I was diagnosed with IIH, or it's known as BIH now, which is um, intracranial hypertension of the brain. So my brain basically essentially swells and produces too much fluid, which can lead to other problems. Um, so that kind of has a knock-on effect in terms of how my body handles stress. Um, and then to kind of top that off, I um, when I was 17, 18, um, I started having seizures, um, drop seizures, and it turned out that I had um, epilepsy. But they weren't sure for a long time kind of what was causing it. Um, and it came down, they kind of um, narrowed it down thinking it was autoimmune epilepsy. And it was just the case of when my body was run down, I'd naturally start to get seizures. Um, and so I kind of battled for a good, I say two or three years, I kind of really struggled with that in, in terms of just, you kind of hit the numbers in training and that and everything's going great. And what we used to find was I could train and train and my body would be fine, it'd handle it. And as soon as I actually backed off and got ready for a race, my body just shut down and I'd either start having seizures or I'd just be really ill and weak. And what was actually happening was um, I was inducing my body into a state of lactic acidosis because I was having the seizures, which obviously contract your muscles quite um, intensely, is on top of the training. My body was producing that much lactic acid. There wasn't enough um, magnesium sodium in my body to actually break that down. 
um, which then was kind of having almost like a vicious, vicious cycle. So I then start having the seizures again and then my immune system would then get triggered and because my immune system was triggered, I'd go back to it. Um, and it turned out in the end that it wasn't actually epilepsy meds or anything I needed. All I actually needed was a strong dose of magnesium every day. Um, and it took me up until about four or five months ago to actually figure that out, maybe a little bit more now I've started this year. Um, and since then, it's just been kind of, I don't think I've had a day off since <laughs> since I've started on that. So it's a huge difference. Um, yeah, injury-wise, um, I've been pretty, I'd say I've been pretty lucky touch wood, but last year was the first time I've ever been properly injured. And I, all I did was, uh, it was my last session before a half marathon and uh, it was a track session with the guys and it was slippery. And I think we were doing 400 repeats. And all I literally did was I slid on the, as we were going around the bend, and I just landed on my hip in the wrong angle and it led to a stress fracture. Um, I impinged all the ligaments on the inside of my groin as well at the same time. So uh, that was quite, yeah, that was quite an experience. I, to, I was bed bound for nearly three weeks, couldn't walk or anything. And then uh, almost like having to learn, learn to run again, you don't realise how fit you are until you kind of lose it. So that was a, a long process kind of back to fitness. But for me, I think it was probably a good thing because after getting ill last year, I kind of lost my motivation a bit and I was just running for the sake of running. And then actually having it taken off me really then kind of gave me the incentive to like figure out what was going on with my body, um, take care of the injury and come back stronger, which I, I think I've, I've done. <laughs> Find out a bit better next year, but yeah, I think I've done that. So you say like you were just running for the sake of it. How do you see that compared to like on a structured routine? How does that sort of fit for you? Um, so I was with um, a coach for a long time. Um, we were working great and that, and but because I kept getting ill, you know, it, it wasn't actually, it wasn't any, it wasn't their fault at all. All the training we were doing with Alex and that was perfect, but because I kept getting ill, I was getting very frustrated with it. And it kind of, it led me to be very unmotivated and I wanted to get away from the sport because it just seemed to be a series of disappointments when it was, when I came to racing. Um, and so when I came away and I just trained for enjoyment, it kind of almost got the passion back for the sport, if that makes sense. So I came away from everything. I stopped using data completely. Um, I wasn't looking at any metrics. I was literally just listening to my body, which is something I probably should have done a lot, a long time ago. Um, and yeah, I just found that I just felt a lot more free and felt like I'd gone back to the reason I started getting into the sport in the first place. And it just allowed me to kind of take the time to myself. Didn't have to worry about being that hitting certain numbers or anything because I had no idea what the numbers were that I was even pushing. Um, yeah, it just helped me kind of mentally reset and refocus, if you like. Yeah, you, you sort of talk about being frustrated with sort of when it sort of gets so good and then all just fell away. How did you deal with that? Um, at the time, I was very frustrated I remember I had so I kind of if you go back to last year for example I had a good really good start to the year um I think I was fourth in sort of British triathlon champs then I had a win at Harlech then I came fifth in the Slateman legend which was my first 70.3 and then I kept training and I was training up to do Ironman UK which is going to be my first long course race 
and literally I, the numbers were perfect everything was great in the lead up and I backed off to taper as I usually do and I started having seizures and got ill again and that for me just that was everything that just ruined it for me like I remember literally just being in pieces for a good couple of weeks didn't want to talk to anybody or anything um almost kind of makes you very kind of depressed in a sense so it, yeah I definitely didn't deal with it well I certainly didn't take it out on the people around me or anything like that but I just wasn't myself I kind of locked myself away and didn't really wasn't interested in anything to do with sport what was it like the first time you had a seizure was it pretty scary I imagine uh, yeah so confusing more than anything um and just the sense of kind of I was actually so I was on a training camp surprisingly it was I turned the Halle duathlon a couple of years ago and we were all going to Mallorca, um, Gog Tri for the week. And I think it was my, it was literally only my second night there. And obviously what had happened was I trained and trained for a race and then I had a few days off and went to the training camp. And I just, I just felt, um, I kind of know now the signs of when I'm going to have one. So I become very, just very, almost like I'm very, not fatigued, but just not with it um and I kind of explain it to people like you feel like you're going in slow motion so you can hear somebody talking to you and in your head you're going go on reply and just nothing comes out um and that's kind of how it feels it's a very euphoric kind of feeling whereas you just it's almost like you're in third person looking at yourself mm-hmm. uh, and that's the only way you can really explain it more than anything and then obviously after the seizure you tend to get very um like it's almost like you've got really bad doms because all your muscles have been convulsing and then you just feel like that for a few days then it takes a while to recover from it. Was it hard to come back after so many, that happening so many times to sort of keep picking yourself up? Was that a challenge for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if it hard to come back to racing, it was, but hard to come back to training, no, not really. Um, I think I very much kind of carried on training but I just took away all the kind of I say I took away all the structure I took away the coaching element of it so I wasn't I couldn't disappoint anybody if I wasn't hitting sessions and I took away all the metrics so I knew that I was consistent and I was probably training you know volume wise the same as I always had been but it just allowed me to kind of take away the stress so that really kind of helped me I guess. Yeah it's interesting that you sort of see not performing as um is disappointing your coach yeah. is that still sort of like a big motivator for you for having a coach it's like that accountability of wanting yeah. to prove yourself to them yeah I'd say not proving myself anymore if you'd have asked me two years ago yeah it was a very much a case of oh, I have to prove myself but it's not that anymore now it's more to me just being part of the community um having somebody to kind of guide me and if anything hold me back because now I've kind of understand my body and I know I'm on top of things. I'm very much the type of once I start going well, I just want to go faster and faster and start trying to train more and more. Um, and even though I know what I should be doing from a coaching standpoint, sometimes you just can't help yourself. It's always that kind of, oh, somebody said, you know, oh, come on, come for a ride with us today. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then maybe the next day somebody's like, oh, well, we're going out again, John come, or we're going for a run. I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, well, just one more run. And that one or two runs quickly adds up over time. Yeah, definitely relate to that this weekend. I can only do an easy hour today, three hours <laughs> in the game, later, you're still going. So outside of triathlon, well, it's still triathlon related, I guess, but this year, sort of just before COVID, you set up a coaching company with Ben. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so uh, my other half, Ben, and I set up um, our own kind of coaching and performance company between us. Um, so we've both done our certifications as level three PTs. Um, I've done the ITCA coaching accreditation, um, and then I, I'm doing a degree in sports science at the moment as well. Um, and then I finished a, a certificate of higher education in forensic psychology to go with that. Um, so we've kind of I say we've kind of developed an all sport focus between us and between the things we cover. So it's it's very broad in terms of we've got kind of the single discipline coaching for, you know, runners, for cyclists and all the way over to kind of your bodybuilders, your men's physique. Um, it is quite broad kind of what we deliver. And then we have also our, our midweek classes for like circuit training and triathlon specific strength and conditioning and mobility sessions. Uh, it's quite wide, but it's not been definitely not been easy to set it up, and we're still in the process of setting it up with everything that we've had going on this year. Yeah, it's definitely not been an easy year by any means. No, definitely do not. That, do you see it more as sort of a performance based? Yeah, so um, kind of our ethos is um, kind of where science meets kind of smart coaching, if you like, and kind of the application of the psychology to it as well. So it's very much kind of. I'd say a data driven, but not necessarily delivered to the athletes as a data driven style of coaching. So that's kind of where the psychology side of it comes in, where some athletes you might get a very old school and they don't want data and metrics and that. And we might try and, you know, just get them if we can to take heart rate with them on a session. And we don't really ask them to look at any of that. That's just, that's for my kind of my benefit and understanding of how to structure their programs. And then I have to, kind of talk with them a lot to really gauge kind of where they're at mentally to see how mentally fatigued they are as well um, and then you've got the opposite side of the people who are kind of very data driven and the people who we can really apply that science to with using you know software such as training peaks and that and I think you'll see a lot of people use training peaks but if you ask how many people can actually interpret the data on every single graph on there there's probably very few who actually understand how to interpret everything so it's that being able to actually interpret all that data and know what, how it's applied to coaching, I'd say. That's probably what we do that's different. Um, and then at the same time, we take a very scientific approach to our kind of our bodybuilding and our athletes who are wanting to kind of do transformations and weight loss and stuff as well. Um, so it is kind of reliable, if you like. You know, you can't really go against science <laughs> at the end of the day. And how do you see the switch sort of being an athlete who's been coached to then sort of standing the other side of the fence and being a coach? I think it's probably helped me kind of respect things from a coach's standpoint a lot more and um, probably also there's kind of the time management side of it um, and understanding kind of what athletes need from a coach because I think a lot of people need a coach but a lot of them probably kind of unknowingly or subconsciously if you like need a coach as as a friend almost and as somebody who's going to kind of support them when they you know they're not feeling good or they've got stuff going on outside of kind of their triathlon or whatever sport they're doing and still keeps them on track I think that's probably where being a coach comes in and I think having come from both sides of that now it, I really kind of relate and understand that side of it more. That's why I'm sort of interested with so it's still almost performance based but that's almost not irrelevant but of less importance to the athlete yeah in the relationship yeah exactly so the the performance side of it really in the data is for me 
um but it's more of how i how i or we can kind of instill confidence in in the athletes and let them know that what they're doing is actually right and that they're going to achieve whatever they've set their minds to achieve if they do you know x y and z and so do you think that you don't necessarily need to be an athlete in x sport in order to coach it no not really um you obviously need a background of kind of the understanding of the science and the application of the coaching methods um but i think you know a great example of that is if you look at brett sutton for example he, he was what co- he was worked with horses and coaching dogs and came from boxing so and he's probably the most renowned coach around the world now so no you don't definitely you don't need to be in the sport to be a coach what do they say coaches don't play <laughs> so how do you stand on that do you see yourself going full coach or yeah eventually um but then if you ask me at the same time i do want to get on the elite side of racing as well so <laughs> you have to be very strict with myself in terms of when i'm a coach i'm a coach i'm not one of these kind of coaches who's going to be like yeah we're all doing a run session today and then joins in and does the run session with them if i'm coaching running i'm there to coach not to take part and i think it's very kind of i'm very strict myself in separating that my trainings in my time and on my own time whereas when i'm coaching i'm just there to coach and focus on the athletes yeah that, that was going to be my next question how do you separate not be that person that's trying to beast everybody all the time yeah that's just it and i mean I'm not there to be competitive with my athletes either at the end of the day. Like there's a time and a place for me to be competitive and that's when I'm racing. Yeah. Would you say that you train in order to race? Um, Not necessarily in order to race, no, but certainly in order to improve um, and get the most out of myself. I definitely kind of very often set sort of targets to myself within training and things I want to achieve, but um it is at the end of the day it is genuinely to get the most out of myself like i've not really had a problem with this lockdown and kind of doing virtual races and stuff like that i still very much find it quite easy to get the most out of myself whether i'm on my own or whether i'm racing through lockdown have you been doing virtual races or has just training sort of been enough for you um i'd say i've i've trained hard and i've probably used it quite a lot of sort of virtual racing as training so i've i've structured it in to have them as training sessions. For example, like we did the the Welsh Grand Tour series um, on Zwift. Um, I've done a few local things, like a local 5K and a local 10K and that, but it's very much been factored into whatever I'm doing that week and been put in place to have a purpose rather than, you know, just to race. And how has that structure sort of helped you in general throughout lockdown? Yeah, I think for me, lockdown's probably been a massive positive on the training side of things. So it's, I, after having my break and being injured at last, the end of last year, I took like seven months off the bike. So I only started riding my bike again in start of May. And yeah, I'm probably the strongest now that, that I've ever been on the bike. And that's just because I've had that sheer consistency and progression over the last sort of four or five months where I've been able to kind of constantly recover and load my body that little bit more so be able to handle a lot higher kind of volume and intensity of training now. Do you think some of that was also due to having a break and coming back fresh to it? Um, Potentially or definitely understanding um, kind of the the side of the lactic acidosis of my body and the effect my epilepsy was having because I figured that out before I came back to the sport. and in all honesty, I only came back to it properly because a friend um, phoned me up in uh, April and he's like, oh, Sean, I've got, you know, I've got this bike and uh, 
you know, I'm getting a new one and that. And I said, I'd sponsor you a while ago. And that, you know, do you want the bike? And I was like, well, I'm not riding, but yeah, I want the bike. <laughs> so uh, I took the bike off in it. Then I had, to, I had no excuse not to train. So I got back in it and uh, yeah, been loving it since. If the sport's almost been causing some of your epilepsy issues, it must have been really hard not to just sort of walk away from the sport, sort of pursue other things. Yeah, I think I struck. I struggle to kind of be able to certainly walk away completely from sport because I've always done sport since I was young. So I'd still have to have been doing something, but it was very much, um, I had to go away and figure everything out before I'd let myself come back and be competitive. Like that was something I kind of had to instill in, into my brain. If you like that, I wasn't coming back until I knew what was going on and that I, I did have, everything under control because I wasn't ready to disappoint myself again um, or not disappoint myself but be disappointed and not being able to get it right if you like. Okay gonna jump around a bit here and go back how have you found sort of setting up a business because that must be a completely alien concept I would have thought having not done sort of like classic routes in from school or uni or whatever. Um, in short hard <laughs> but <laughs> I'd say it's been hard because of the circumstances. Um, being part of Total Try and having quite a lot of um, support from them and guidance on how to be a coach and how to set up your own kind of marketing as a coach and that has really kind of helped me. Um, and I've been able to in turn apply that to our business. Um, I did my A-levels in business, but that was about it. I think I've just had to do a lot of, a lot of research myself to figure out what we were doing and make sure that what we were doing had a purpose because I'm so time limited with everything I do between sort of training, uni, um, and work elsewhere. I've had to really be like strict and so is Ben because he works as well and trains and he, he was in uni as well. So we really had to make sure that everything we did had a purpose and, you know, go about things that way. And I think we are certainly starting to grow and we're starting to get more interest now and more people inquiring about different services and more people coming to our classes, which is great. Um, and I think had it not been for COVID, in all honesty, I think we'd have been more than up and running by now. How do you see the importance of community as well with sort of the, the tri people? And I think the community aspect's been really important. Um, and I've been able to take away a lot from Total Tri Training in terms of our community that we've got there because through lockdown, we've used things like Zwift for coaching, um, which has really kept, you know, a community feel. Everybody's been more or less, not on the same plan, everybody's on a slightly different plan, but with the same sort of key sessions and, you know, a lot of athletes are on the same focus, which has allowed us all to kind of have like mini race series on the weekends. We did like a long course weekend thing. Um, and then Ben and I did a 24 hour um endurance ride to raise money for epilepsy action and I think we set the benchmark and that we're like oh we want to raise about 500 pound um because we only did basically two we only decided two weeks before it that we were going to do it and uh we ended up like raising over two grand and that was just because of the community aspect of it so many people knew us locally and wanted to support us it was great so I'm certainly seeing that community as the way forward in growing the business especially from kind of the small level I think as you grow the wider community in that it's easier to attract but at first to get your feet on the ground you need that support in the local community yeah has there been any sort of like mentoring or anything that you've been able to access sort of a community to help you 
not really except for total try we've really kind of pieced it together ourselves and figured it out ourselves um you know obviously the various training courses we've done have kind of all had business related modules in them and that and have kind of taught us bits and bobs on how we have to market ourselves as pts how to market yourselves as a coach as a sports therapist um and we've able we've been able to kind of string all that together and kind of build our own path if you like i mean to me it's terrifying setting up a business something like that it's like maybe like once you've taken that massive leap because i guess it's yeah. sort of a big opportunity or there's a large part of it that failure is like quite quite close to there is yeah i think you've got to be very comfortable in the feeling of knowing that you're gonna have to do a lot of work for very little return for quite a while before you're gonna see that big return and i think as long as you can kind of persevere and understand that you know it's gonna take a while before you're seeing any you know reasonable income or any big amounts of interest then you know you're okay you've just got to stick with it and keep doing what you're doing and it will eventually come in you know you might take a while and then you get one person and then before you know it, you've got two or three then they go and tell two or three of their friends it's like with our classes I think you know the first class we had we had I think we had seven people then the next one we had 10 and then we had you know 14 15 to a point now that's that's all we can take for each class with what's going on but now it's quite steady at that and that is just because people tell their friends that where they've been and what they've been doing and then their friends want to get involved and it just grows from there and do you think that like the triathlon mindset of it's not all immediate returns has helped you so if you've been able to take that from the sport and bring it into another aspect of your life has that helped yeah, yeah definitely i mean I kind of I've not really thought about it like that before but when you say it yeah I think being kind of that sort of having that bigger picture focus and you knowing where you want to be in kind of maybe eight to 12 months time is very much kind of the attitude we've taken into this as well it's a case of knowing you know we're not where we want to be right now but just by doing all those little bits each day it, it is going to add up to being where we want to be in 12 months time. Do you think there's been any has it been harder because you've been younger um i'd say it's probably crossed ben's mind more than it's crossed mine but it's certainly crossed my mind in terms of having clients who can be a bit ageist so you know people will very much go to kind of you know a 40 year old coach for example who might only have one accreditation to his name over us even though we've got a much broader understanding and concept of how to coach and we still have the experience people don't realize that you know we've both been coaching different sports and taking part in different sports from you know from a grassroots level to now so between us you know we've got the best part of 20 years experience in coaching um, which not a lot of people our age do have but it's quite hard to transfer that across to people when they just see you in your coaching gear and see what you're advertising do you think there's a balance between sort of certification and experience i think they're both needed depending on um how in depth you want to go and how much you want to kind of broaden your horizons in in the field of performance so if you're wanting to do more than just one sport you certainly need the certifications for it because you need to understand how to manipulate the body almost to tailor for every sport um and how to get it to look a certain way or look aesthetically pleasing um 
but at the same time, there is a lot that you need experience for. I say we both take an approach where we're willing to learn and know that we've still got a lot to learn, but we can still help people at the same time and coach people. And that's what we wanted to do. Also the experience, maybe with working with people, I think that's probably the side of it where we lack in terms of the experience of actually working with adults um, or people older than us. Um, that's the side of it where we, we feel left out sometimes and feel like, you know, your people skills almost like not, you don't want to come across as patronizing when you're speaking to somebody who's older than you. And I think it's learning that balance for us is the part that's been harder. So it's not so much the coaching part of it. It's almost more the life skills that coaching's teaching you and that you yeah, learn exactly. through that, that. Exactly. Yeah. I'd say it's more the, yeah, that it is the, it's the life skills and the, the sort of the experience of working with people rather than the experience of actually being a coach. Yeah. What did your time in like working in a school, what did you take away from that? Um, took away quite a bit. I'm still doing that um, now. So I still work in the schools as well. Um, but I think my, what have I taken away from it? Probably learned to have a lot of patience with people. I think that's the big thing. Um, and understanding, you know, a better understanding of people are going to have good days and bad days. Um, and it, I think a big one is knowing when to react and knowing when not to react to the things people do and what they say. Um, and that's very transferable into sort of coaching and probably my mindset as an athlete as well, knowing when to respond and when not to respond to whatever opinions people may have. So would you say that's been quite sort of an eye-opening experience for you? Yeah, definitely. It definitely has. Um, and also seeing people kind of, well, you know, children and young adults sort of accomplish things when the odds are definitely against, you know, against them from an outside perspective, you know, understanding kind of, you know, the backgrounds people can come from and still make something for themselves. Um, I think that's been a real eye-opener for me. Where do you see the balance of equipment and sort of things that you can buy compared to someone's mindset and like their core set of skills whether they can develop them further or whether they have them already okay that's quite an interesting one um your your biggest asset is without a doubt your mind and your mental strength and mental strength is something you can train just like your physical strength um but i think a good coach has to know how to do that you you know you've got to you're always going to have kind of a range of people coming to you from someone who thinks they're fit and think they can you know handle what you might perceive as easy to them might perceive be their tough but to them they can handle tough so I think it's understanding that balance of how to almost increase somebody's their pain threshold their their mental stamina um, and their resilience as a person so I'd say your biggest asset is your mind and I think if you can train that as a coach and get all the fundamentals in place in terms of technique and physiology then you can start looking at the equipment do you think a lot of the mind stuff is transferable so it's rather than it being like a sport specific thing that's something that you can take through all of life yeah definitely um and I think it's very much understanding how you're taking that though so you've got to understand what the relation is um and I think you can kind of 
if you can be mindful as a person and think back to when you've had maybe hard times when it comes to the hard sessions or the harder periods when you look at business for example or your work life or your home life um that'll help you grow as a person and as an athlete I think it's important to take care of the fundamentals before you start taking care of equipment as long as your equipment's you know at a reasonable level and it's structurally sound then you're okay with that obviously if you've got the money then yeah I'm gonna you know I would advise people to look at getting you know a quality bike fit and slowly investing in you know the wheels and the aerodynamic frame and the you know the no pin socks and all of this and that because it, it does it massively adds up in terms of saving especially on the bike and especially for long course athletes more but um i think you've got to understand that you can't you can only buy a certain amount of speed um and that's kind of that's it then once you bought it you you bought it but in terms of mental resilience and physical fitness you can keep working on that and keep getting better and better and it, you know there are obviously factors that come into that in terms of your your biomechanics your anatomy physiology your your age but you know if you take an untrained subject um you know you you can i think you've got to have that in your mind that you you want to continuously improve because once you lose that you're going to lose your kind of your motivation and your um sort of the stress arousal for the sport and what you're doing um so yeah I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of the sort of the art of continuous improvement if you like is that how you would sort of quantify success either for you personally or for some of your athletes yes and no so yes certainly you know my my goal is to keep getting people to improve but that can also mean improve kind of their understanding of what they're getting out of themselves or improve their outlook for example um not just improve you know run times bike times their overall time and you know for an Ironman or whatever distance they are that they're racing but I think I can I can relate to both sides of it so I get a lot as a coach from seeing my athletes improve because they get a lot from that um but yeah, it's a bit, it's a balance of both, I'd say definitely. And so when you, you as an athlete, how do you define success to yourself? Um, success to me is, um, certainly as an athlete, to improve, you know, as much as I can, but be realistic with myself in terms of, I'm putting a lot of hours into university and into work and, there's only so many hours in a day that I can put into training. So I've got to be, you know, lenient with myself um, in terms of how much I'm improving. But I think success to me is being able to grow my business um, and, you know, kind of make a name for our business in terms of, you know, being up there as coaches, you know, not letting our age kind of define people's expectations of what we can deliver as coaches. And then improving as an athlete and just enjoying the sport, I guess that's success to me. So, what are your goals for the next couple of years? That would you say? In terms of my sort of outlook, in terms of where we're heading as a company, I'd like to be at a point where we're financially sustainable enough to kind of, you know, have a wealthy income between the two of us, and possibly be at a point where we can put 
people through training courses and give back to the triathlon community and you know start looking at um testing and getting people into labs and stuff like that um and then sports wise i've got a few kind of personal goals where i'd i'd like to be competitive over an ironman sort of the long course distance of racing for me um i'd like to be sort of up there as an age grouper in terms of any race that i kind of enter sort of in the uk um but you know i'll, I'll just see as long as i'm training well and i'm, I'm consistent then i'm going to be happy so yeah we'll just see where things go really yeah I and mean, you've still got another well two and a bit years of uni as well to go so yeah and knowing knowing me and what i'm like i'll probably end up going towards doctorate level anyway <laughs> so <laughs> i think i've got a long time of uni still ahead of me So we'll sort of start to wrap it up. Um, would you say there's one standout sort of moment in your life? That's quite a hard one. In terms of sports, there's standout moments. Um, and I'd say it's probably the main standout moment is still the same one that got me into triathlon. It was that I, I remember clear as day coming down Canberra's Pass on the bike and literally just shouting at somebody, I'm, I'm never going back to rowing. And that's probably, if it wasn't for that, and taking part in that one event, is a good chance right now that I wouldn't be where I am, you know, opening a business and working as a coach and studying sports science, because before that I was very set on wanting to be a pilot and I was doing my private pilot's license. So it, that's a massive change for me. I'd say that's the main standout experience to me. Yeah. Wow. I never knew you wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. That was something I was very set on, on a young age. I think I, I was 16 and I was, I was already, doing my private pilot's license and going over to uh, Flint on the weekends flying and that. So to just completely come away from all that and drop it. And I had quite a, I had quite a promising future in, in rowing as well. Like as a junior, I was already getting offers um, to be scouted and college, you know, um, not college, but university offers. Um, and I literally walked away from that completely um without kind of without even hesitating so that was a bit that was a big change for me and that was probably because you started triathlon was it yeah exactly it's kind of all stemmed from that so I never kind of even looked back to that kind of that person that I was if you like it very much was kind of I did that one event and from that day I was a not you know not a completely different person in terms of my personality but in terms of my goals and what I wanted to achieve and they were completely different to what they were, you know, 24 hours before that day. Yeah. Um, a bit earlier, you mentioned purpose a couple of times. Would you say that you found purpose in coaching through triathlon? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm the type of person who has to be on the go and I have to be sort of achieving something and have sort of, I'm a very structured person and I like to, I like to have a purpose and know what I'm doing with my days and what I'm working towards. So yeah, I'd say it's definitely given me a purpose. And would you say that you're happy with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we all have days when, you know, we question things and that, but no, overall, I'm very happy and very motivated, you know, to keep going down this route and be kind of the best coach that I can be and be the best business partner and, you know, be the best athlete that I can be. And that's probably quite a, it's a lot to take on your shoulders at times, but no, it, it, I'm still very driven and motivated to achieve all of that. 
Yeah, it seems like triathlons become a, well, a huge part of your life. No, yeah, exactly. And it, and it probably has. Like, I almost have to, I kind of have to limit myself sometimes. So, like, you know, if I'm on a night out with my friends and that, or I'm not working or training, I very much have to switch off from that and remember that, you know, life's great and that, but that isn't the only thing in life. <laughs> so I do have to very much switch off from that at times. And, you know, and that's not really probably because I want to, it's probably because I know it's a bit unhealthy to be that sort of infatuated within something. And how do you, how do you do that? I don't know. I think I, I've just kind of developed a sort of a way of just being able to now. I think I've got to a point in where I've realised in the past, you know, oh, little things like you might notice like people don't really want to talk to you as much anymore or <laughs> people stop inviting you to go out and that and that's very much because I used to be kind of so focused on it to a point like I'd be like nope can't go out and drink tomorrow so I'm on the bike the next morning or I'd go yeah, out and yeah, talk, I, all I talk about was the sport so I've learned that hang on I do actually enjoy other things other than the sport I still have kind of my hobbies and the things I like to do to relax outside of it I guess so why there's sort of the massive community around it all it can be very isolating at times if you get unhealthily into it. Yeah, exactly. And it can be. And because but at the same time, because there is such a big community in it, it's very easy to get lost within that community and remember that, you know, not everybody you talk to is going to be in that community. You just kind of assume that they are. And it's like, well, some people won't have a clue what you're talking about. You know, you can still talk about what you've watched on TV or <laughs> what's going on in the news. You know, you can talk about those things as well. Yeah. Right, so it's getting late and I'm getting hungry. Um, uh, actually, about food. Um, pick a dish that you, if you had to cook one dish for someone, what would you cook? Um, I would cook a chicken risotto. Oh, risotto seems to be a popular choice. Finn picked it last week. <laughs> oh, there we go, I'd say. You're going to have to follow it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you had to pick any song off your playlist, what would it be? Um... <laughs> Probably uh, Landslide, Stevie Nicks. I don't think I've heard that one. I have to put it on. <laughs> um, yeah. What's made you smile today? What's made me smile today? <laughs> um, ooh, that sounds really bad that I can't think. Probably something really sad like a meme or a silly joke that Ben said. What are you looking forward to? Um getting out of lockdown <laughs> you're not enjoying it uh, no <laughs> no i need to be outdoors <laughs> and you're in full lockdown now aren't you in wales you're in full well no we go into full lockdown on friday so uh yeah oh, my uh, my turbo my computer and uh ben are gonna be uh my next three weeks <laughs> <laughs> okay and final thing what do you wish you knew before today i'm the type of person who's going to say everything so um i could have a crystal ball i'd like to know where my business is going to be in probably 10 years time and what my life entails i'd say do you think if you knew where it would be you would live your life differently um not if it was where i wanted it to be if it wasn't where i wanted it to be then yeah i would how would you know where you wanted it to be if it's all about progress um because although it's about progress I'm very much I set sort of short-term mid-term and long-term goals the same way as I would you know as anybody you know any athlete would or whatever I, I still do that with my life I kind of know where I want it what direction I want it to go in 
Yeah, for sure. I think if you know what direction you want things to go in, everything else seems to come a lot easier. And I think that's probably a good place to stop. So we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it a share. And if you'd like to talk about anything further, feel free to drop me a message on Instagram. Until next time, take care and speak soon.